This message is brought to you by Alliance Bible Church located in Mequon, Wisconsin. Our vision is to captivate generations with the satisfying gospel of Jesus Christ. For more information about Alliance Bible Church or other resources, please check out our website, myabc.church. I know I'm about a minute early, but I do like to be pretty punctual. So I want to welcome you to How to Date Your Wife and Christian Guidance on Keeping Things Fresh in Your Marriage. So I want to invite you guys, as we get started, first of all, I want to say two things. The first thing is, I feel led by the Lord to tell you something important today, and I want you to hear this. A lot of times, in, as men, as fathers, etc., we often focus on the things that we're not doing right. Not only do we focus on it, sometimes people in our lives focus on it. Our wives, pastors, other people inadvertently, they're trying to help us, but it can get discouraging. So I want to start off today by telling you, God knows that you guys are doing very, very important things in your lives. God knows that you love your wife. God knows that you love your families. So as we start off today, I want to encourage you to just take a moment and take that in. Because oftentimes it can feel a little bit like, oh man, i got to improve on this. And I don't know about you guys, I'm probably as tough on myself as I am on anybody else. Can you relate to that? So let's start off and give God a hand and ourselves a hand for the things that He's helping us do well. It's not all bad. In that spirit, as we talk about marriage today, I want you to understand that I am not here to pick on you and look down on you and tell you what you should and shouldn't do. Actually, I'm on the journey with you. I've been married to my wife for almost 27 years, and I'll tell you what, guys, I'm learning something new every day. I've been married to my wife, and if she sat here right now, she could come up with a list of at least one or two things that I can improve in. <laughs> So I'm here with you guys. We're in the journey together. How we're going to focus today is to recognize that we are countercultural. And why we are countercultural is because in our culture, marriage has become expendable. You know, if you, if you wake up one morning and, and you come home and you say, I just don't know if I'm attracted to her anymore. That's a valid thought in our culture. I just don't know if I want to be married to her anymore because I just don't like her as much as I used to. And so in the wider culture, it's an exchange society. If I don't like her, I'll go get someone else. What's the problem with that? If I'm sitting in this chair right here and I don't like my wife and I have a chair there and I say, you know, come on, move on. This is not working out. I'm going for the, the next one. What's the problem? I'm still sitting in this chair with the same issues that I have that have contributed to what's not going well. So what we're going to do today, based on the book of Ephesians, is I want to help you guys equip yourself to be men that inspire your wives. That inspire your wives to have a vibrant marriage. Now, I want to start with the book of Ephesians, chapter 5. 
I'm going to start with 21. Verse 21. This is the wives' part. Now, interestingly, when you look at these Scriptures, let's say this is the body of this Scripture from 21 to, through 33, right? You know how big the women's section is? <laughs> it's like this big. Our section on what we need to do is at least twice as long. Her section is basically this. I'm not even going to read it because I want to focus on us today. Her section is basically, your husband is a servant leader. This is just translation. Your husband is a servant leader and you need to respect him. Actually, Paul hits that at the end of this as well. What I want to do today is focus on our part. I want to see this as a basis and I want to focus in three areas that we can work on. Spiritual, emotional, and romantic and sexual. Those three main areas. So let me read this with you. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the Word, and to present her to Himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one has ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. Yes, there is sex in marriage too. And we're going to get to that today as well. If that's okay with you guys. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. As we look at these verses... I want you to think about it from this standpoint. And that is AA. Not AA for Alcoholics Anonymous. Not AA for American Airlines. But AA for intentional attitudes from the Scripture and action steps. How am I thinking? Am I thinking biblically in terms of how I approach my wife? And what am I willing to do about it? What I want to do together today is look at both. What are our attitudes and thinking? And what are some specific, I want to give you guys some tangible action steps that you can take that will enhance your marriage with your wife. I want to start with spirituality. And as we think about the spiritual approach to our wives, let me quote part of the verse. Gave himself up for her. Love their wives as their own bodies. Now, when I see this, I think of the preeminent example of a spiritual leader, and that is Jesus Christ. And I imagine him with his disciples kneeling down and washing their feet. The head of the household of the whole universe washing a man's feet. So I submit to you, gentlemen, if Christ is our example. 
our role of a head is not what my father-in-law wants you to God bless him, love him to death. My wife would tell stories about how he approached this. When he wanted something to go his way in the household, he's like 6'4", this big German guy. He'd say, I am the head of the household. I am the head of the household, and this is the way it's going to be done. Just booming voice. Well, okay, that's not what Paul is getting at here, and that's not what the example that Christ sends here. Because when he's, there's many examples in the Scriptures when he's washing the disciples' feet. Or do you know the story of the woman at the well? She clearly, as she comes to the well, first of all, culturally, he's not even supposed to talk to her. Christ starts talking to her, and this is a woman who's had some issues that Christ is aware of with men and marriage and non-marriage and all this stuff. And what Jesus does is He is a servant leader and He tees up love. He breaks down all cultural barriers and He tees up love. So gentlemen, I submit to you the first thing that we need to do is to make our wives the number one priority. Second only to Jesus in our lives. Write that down. Make my wife my number one priority. There's an excellent book, write this down too, by Gary Smalley called If Only He Knew. Now 15 years ago or so, before I read this book, I was working uh, during the day. My wife happened to be at home at that point, And she called me once in a while. And I remember answering the phone and feeling this frustration. I've got to get to this other stuff. <coughs> hey, can I call you back? Like, what do you need? I wasn't totally rude, but I was a little... Try to make it short. And in my mind, and some of you guys might relate to this, hey, I'm doing all of this stuff for you guys. But what I realized, I was missing something. Gary Smalley highlights it in this book because his main theme of the book is to have a successful and biblical marriage in addition to worshiping the Lord, you need to make your wife the number one priority. And all will be good in your world. Reminds me of, uh, pardon throwing this out there, uh, an old school movie with Woody Harrelson and uh, Wesley Snipes. And Wesley's giving Woody some advice on women. And he said, you know what the most important thing is? We're going to get this too. He says, listen the woman. She's the number one priority. So in doing this, we need to plan around her needs. We need to pay attention to her regarding this. So, following reading this book, I had an epiphany. And when my wife calls, it's like the bat phone. I'm, ser I'm serious. I'm in session with a client. There's a couple there, you know, maybe fighting, and I'm trying to help them through it. And the phone rings. And I said, can you excuse me for a minute? My wife's on the phone. I need to pick this up. No, I'm joking. I don't do that in session. But any other time, <laughs> any other time that woman calls, man, it's like the bat phone. I'm picking that thing up. Yes, honey, how are you? How are you, beautiful? How are you today? What do you need? Number two. Okay, number two is something that I would like to, it's kind of akin to the phrase, eating an apple a day, finish the phrase. 
keeps the doctor away. This is one of these old cliches, sayings, I don't know how long it's been in practice, that has a really profound message to it. And that is, if we eat our fruits and vegetables, we won't have to go to the doctor as much. So what I'm about to tell you is simple, but it's profound and it has a profound message in it. So my question is, I want you to reflect just for a moment, even if you've heard this before, will you have the humility to hear it and think about an action step in terms of doing it? So 15 years ago, I started a practice, and that's, the new phrase is, pray with your wife every day, and you'll keep the divorce attorney away. Now, let's not focus on the phrase, but let's focus on the spiritual discipline. What I do with my wife every day, and I've done this just about every day for the last 15 years, you can ask her too if you want is I'll take her by the hand sometime in the morning, and sometimes I have to chase her around a little, you know, because she's going. She might be in the shower or something else. So I'll peek in the shower and say, hey, can I pray with you? (laughs) No, actually, I do do that, but, you know, I just catch her where I can catch her, guys, right? And I say, sweetheart, how can I lift you up in prayer today? Now, the key is, I don't say, hey, let's pray together. Servant leadership, right? So we set the tone in terms of that. I say, how can I pray for you? I submit to you guys, if you had the openness to doing this, even though you've probably heard this a gazillion times before, you could literally divorce-proof your marriage. When I speak to women at conferences in regard to this, because I do, I do seminars, I did one within the last year at Elmbrook, uh, Elmbrook Moms. There's like two or 300 women in there, whatever. And I was talking about this very thing. And right after I said it, when they thought about their husbands praying with them every day, you would have think, you thought that I was handing out coach purses to these women. I mean, their faces just lit up. So I bet your wives would appreciate that too. So, quoting the scripture from Ephesians again, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. Part of that word is you praying in the Holy Spirit on her behalf. And part of that is you get to know her heart. Next one. It says you want to present her as being holy and blameless. That does not mean perfection. That means put her in a situation, encourage her in a situation where she can experience the grace of Christ and be holy and blameless. So how do we do that? We want to take her to church. We want to be in Bible studies together. We want to do ministry together. My wife and I do, do a good bit of ministry together, and even when we do our marriage seminars, we're doing one in a couple weeks at Elmbrook, by the way. I apologize for the plug. <laughs> I think there's still sign-ups. Uh, when we do marriage seminars together, quite frankly, some of it's self-centered because it helps our marriage. So do that with your wife. Now let's focus and move to that second area, and that is emotionally. How many of you, with a show of hands, think that your wife is emotional? (laughs) That's exactly what the last group did. Amen, absolutely. They're they're emotional. We're emotional too. They are emotional. So because that's the case, 
Let me quote the Scripture from above again. They feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. Your wife, I like to think of it this way, is like a flower. Any of you guys landscapers? I love landscaping. You have a flower or plant that you're trying to nourish and nurture and get going. You're thinking, what kind of fertilizer do I need to get? How often do I need to water it? You guys are the gardeners. What kinds of things emotionally can you do to help your wife thrive and flower? Now, in my business, I see wilting women all the time, God bless them. They come in, you know, my, my husband won't listen to me. You know, he just, I just can't emotionally connect with them. He hasn't touched me in two months or two years sometimes. I just don't know what to do. And so we have a beautiful privilege to be the gardeners of our wife's heart. I want to talk about three crucial ways you can do this. Number one, listen to her. If this was the old show Family Feud, and the question came out, what's one of the most important needs of women and wives? I think if we put this one first and said, survey says, ding, I think it would be first one from my experience. List, they want to be heard. So one way that you can do that is you can do what's called, write this down, active listening, active listening. And that is when your wife tells you something that's important and it may even be critical of you. You know those trigger points? Like what's an example? Who has an example of something your wife says that really gets under your skin? Come on, work with me here. Anybody? You, your wife never gets under your skin? Are you praying with her? Are you praying with the finger pointing at you? Yeah. So, or... I'll just say one of mine too, my wife, you know, you, it seems like you always have your cell phone with you at dinner, like when we go out to dinner. Anyone else have problems with that? Okay. So, instead of saying, I do pray, of course I pray, didn't you see me praying the other day? Well, no, I haven't seen you praying in a while. Well, wait a minute, hold on. And what happens is there's this ping pong style communication. You ever have that? Where it goes back and forth. So what active listening does is it slows things down. And it helps your wife to be heard. Even if she's saying something that's annoying to you, you have to stop and pretend there's a force field right here and you are just, you're just a listener. So Kirsten, in my case, Kirsten, I hear you saying that you feel like I have my phone with me all the time at dinner. And then you say, and you write this down too if you want, did I get that right? And you're looking at her. Did I get that right? And she might say, well, no, you didn't get it right. Let me tell you more. Great. Then you're going to listen to more, right? If she says, yeah, I got that right. Well, this is awesome, guys. Then we continue with, is there more on that, honey? Just look her right in the eyes. Baby, I want to, what you're saying to her is, baby, I want to hear your heart. I want to know what you have to say. I'm telling you, you can use this not just in marriage. You can use this in business and anything else. People want to be heard. And a lot of times in our culture, we don't listen to each other. So she can do the same to you or with you, right? Because you have some important things to say too. So take this home to her and try it. Number two, pay attention to her in big and little ways. Pay attention to her in big and little ways. 
Help her to feel special. Send her a text during the day. Even if you're the kind of super linear guy that's like, I have everything on a schedule and I have a to-do list of what I'm going to do, put it on the to-do list. <coughs> text wife sometime today. Don't let her see your to-do list. <laughs> you don't want her to think it's mechanical, right? Put it on the to-do list and just reach out to her with that little, hey, I'm just thinking about you. As part of that, Flirt with your wife. Honor her with your eyes. Man, there's sometimes with my wife, I kid you not, we're sitting, we were at the movies last night, 1917, great movie, by the way. Powerful. We're sitting there together and, you know, we're in those dream loungers and our feet are crossed. And, and I just kind of look, and there's enough light where you can kind of see, I just look over her and I just, seriously, before the Lord, I'm just like, man, I love this woman. But I communicate that with my eyes, and she kind of turned over at one moment <laughs> and saw that, and you could just see a little gleam, like, yeah, he still digs me. He thinks I'm awesome. Let your wife know that consistently. Number three, this is huge. All marriage have conflicts. All marriages have conflicts. The difference between the good marriages and those that aren't so good are knowing how to navigate these conflicts. So the three most important words that you need to know about conflict, my friends, is I was wrong. I'll tell you, for many of us, it's very hard to acknowledge and admit that we're wrong. Part of it is we've grown up in families where we're implicitly and explicitly told that it's not a good thing to be wrong. We can feel shame about that. Ah, oh, man, sometimes... I feel like I'm going to die, literally, when I have to admit that I'm wrong about something. So this is where the H word comes in in marriage. Humility. You cannot have a good marriage without the humility to admit when you're wrong. You remember Happy Days back in the day, that old show, and anybody ever see Happy Days? Author Fonzarelli, and he's so cool, and... Once in a while, he'd make a mistake, and he had a little problem. He couldn't admit he was wrong. In fact, he'd try and go, I was, he just couldn't do it. And it, it emulated this. Some of us are like that. You know, our wives see clearly that we've made a mistake or messed up or done something, and we dig in. We dig in a trench. We have a hard time admitting it. Now, let's take the word sorry. And let's put it in the trash can back there. Now, here's why. Sorry's overused, and it's become trivialized. And eh, sorry about that. Hey, eh, sorry, sorry, hon. Sorry, sorry. Sorry about that, hon. It's overused. Let's throw it in the trash can back there. What I was wrong does is you say, honey, I was wrong when I had my phone out a good part of that dinner. Would you please forgive me? Those simple words. Hey, sometimes, sometimes our wives literally fall over in the back of their, right out of their chair, right? To hear that from us. So don't be afraid to admit you're wrong. And it's okay because guess what? You're wrong at least half the time in any conflict you guys have. <laughs> okay, let's move into romance and sexuality. A man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, 
and the two will become one flesh. Those of you that want your wives to hear about the necessity of sex and marriage, go ahead and pull out your phones and you can videotape this part if you want. It's up to you. And that is this. Women need sexual intimacy in marriage just as much as men to seal their connection with you. Kevin Lehman, L-E-M-A-N. Yes, write this down. You've got to get this book. It's the best book. Let me give you the title. Sheet Music. Like a sheet of paper and music. Best Christian book written on sex I've ever read. And one of him and his wife kind of collaborated together. If you want to see a funny YouTube video, see some interview of them, and they're just they're just flirting with each other, and they're just they're they're quite a cute couple. So um, what he says is this is an essential part of marriage. It's biblical, right? We just read it. And it's not just a situation where men always want sex and women don't. That stereotype is simply not true. I have way more women come into my office and say, man, he, he just he doesn't give me any compliments. And he hasn't touched me in three years. and I just can't know what's going on. So, our women want to connect with us in that way. However, look at the progression here. All the other stuff I talked about Watch this. has to be teed up. Any woman that's out there, if they have those pieces teed up, believe me, they're going to want to connect with you in a sexual way. Second point, what is her language of love? What makes her tick? Is it words of encouragement? Is she somebody that likes... Physical touch. Maybe she likes a back rub at night or a foot rub. Is she somebody that loves acts of service? I mean, I'll get women in my office and they'll say, oh, man, he unloaded the dishwasher. Oh, so great. Then he swept the kitchen floor. Oh, I mean, they're, you would think we were talking about something else, the way they're reacting in there, right? They're just like impassioned. So find out what that language is for her. And work on teeing that up. And tell her about yours, too. It's important for her to know that as well. So romance must be part of this equation with sexual intimacy. As I talked about earlier, paying attention to her. Telling her how beautiful she looks. There are just very few ugly women out there, quite frankly. I mean, the daughters of God that are walking around this earth are really quite amazing. And I'm sure your wife is the same. But here's the thing. Are we having the eyes to see that on a consistent basis and telling them that? Okay, now we get to the dating. See, because we got to tee all this other stuff up to have any of the dates be any good. Dating is simply spending quality. It could be fun. It could be intense. Time with your wife where nobody else is part of it necessarily. If you have kids that are small, kids that are old, kids that are in between, don't use the kids as an excuse not to spend that time together. Your family will go, your marriage and your family will go as your marriage goes. 
Believe me, your kids love that you have sex. They would never tell you that, regardless of the age. But here's why I'm saying this. When you, when you walk into the kitchen in the morning and you have a glow on your face, and I'm not just talking about sexual intimacy, I'm talking about this whole package, and there's a connection there, and they sense it, whether they're 35 years old or they're four years old, I'll tell you what, that is just like a, that's hay in the barn in their heart. They feel secure. They feel safe. They feel loved. The more you love your wife, you're loving directly on your kids. Now, admittedly, sometimes this is a little harder for the women because they feel like, oh, we're neglecting our kids. If we have sex, well, they're home. Well, it's like, okay, let's get a lock on the door <laughs> and let's make sure that we're having this connection so that our family is whole. You're feeding right into their care in terms of this. The last thing that I want to touch on is this in regard to romance and sexual connection in the marriage, and that is this. Pornography is a buzzkill on marriage. Pornography is a buzzkill on marital sexual intimacy. Pornography is a buzzkill on our hearts, men. Again, I'm a fellow traveler with you, not a judge up here. We don't talk about this this often, but we know, you know, I've got the statistics. I don't have them right off the top of my head. But, you know, 50 to 75% of men have challenges with this at some level. So we are physiologically wired that if we're looking at picture women, and one of our main focuses of sexuality is our hand. You know what I'm saying. We're physically, physiologically not going to respond to the real thing. When your wife's getting undressed in the closet in your bedroom or whatever else, if you've been looking at airbrushed picture women that look at you with the look like, I'm going to complete your world, it's a lot. Your mind physiologically satiates in regard to focus on what's attractive or not. Literally, that dopamine release that you're getting gets your physiological brain to a point where it's just hard for it, at a certain point, where you just can't respond to stimuli. So there are men that have erectile dysfunction issues that come out of this, major spiritual issues because of the shame and the guilt, etc. So we all have to guard our heart in terms of this because this will destroy us and it will destroy our marriages. And I know we don't talk about it a ton. hope you're not mad at me for bringing this up today, guys. I, I love you. I want to give you a couple resources to help. First of all, this is an area of expertise for me. So if you need me, you need to check in, please. Secondly, if you feel like this is something where, yeah, this comes up from time to time for me or maybe it can be a habit at times or it gets a little worse, Take a look at the book, Every Man's Battle. Write that down if you haven't read it or you don't know about it. It really addresses this well. On the other hand, if you think, man, this is a bit worse, I think, I've, I mean, I think this is a major problem. And I really need help, but I don't want to admit it to anyone because it can't be anybody else that's dealing with this. Look at the book, Out of the Shadows, by Patrick Carnes. 
And what that book does, and he is the preeminent expert on addiction in regard to pornography and sex. And you can look through that and you'll hear some stories and get a sense of, is this something that fits for me? In other words, am I having trouble to that level? And then you'll want to get a professional that focuses on that and get that more intense support. Because if we're doing all of, trying to do all these other things and lust and pornography are in the mix with that, we're not going to be able to do these other things very well and it's, just, it's really going to sabotage the whole thing. The last thing I want to say today to you guys is that by being here today, I want to congratulate you. And here's why. I'm going to take a phrase from our friend Dave Ramsey who does financial planning and financial peace, and that is this. Live like no one else today, and you will live like no one else tomorrow. But I want to apply that to your life and relationships and marriage and all the other things that we're talking about at this men's conference today. Because there are some men that are not intentional led by the Holy Spirit in terms of these things. You guys, by being here today, are being intentional. If you take even 50% of what I told you today from the Scripture, based on that Scripture, and apply it in your marriage, you can have a successful marriage. 100% amazing marriage. The key is, are we willing to be intentional? Are we willing to have experiences where we learn important biblical strategies? And then lastly, do we have the willingness to put them into practice? So I want to congratulate you guys on being here, hearing these things, and having the openness to do that. I sincerely want you guys to have an amazing marriage. Let me pray for you guys, and I'm going to open it up to questions and comments. Dear Jesus, I thank You so much, Father, for every single man that is in this room. And God, right now, I just want to pray that You would equip us with Your Holy Spirit and Your Holy Word and sound principles to be intentional in our marriages. God, help us to love the woman that You've given us. God, we pray for every one of our wives right now, God, wherever they're standing, wherever they're at right now, that You would bless them. Help us to communicate to them that we love them consistently, that they're gorgeous, they're beautiful, that they're an amazing daughter of Yours. I pray that You would equip us, God, and that You would protect us from the arrows of this world. Protect us from pornography. Protect us from lust. Protect us from apathy. Lord, I just ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's men said, Amen. Amen. Thoughts, comments, questions, anything. Yes, sir, in the back. Yes. Yeah. 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 You're saying I I M A G O? Yeah, it's Harville Hendricks. Getting the Love You Want. An, an excellent book as well in terms of marriage. Thank you for that comment. Others.
comments, thoughts? Reactions? Okay. I'm going to turn it over to you. And thank you so much, gentlemen. It was a privilege. Thank you.